We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another... Oh, this theme song is really loud. I need to turn it down. Welcome to another edition of the Budding Heads podcast from Rams Talk Radio and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Steve Ribeiro. Here's always with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, we've been, you know, complaining that the Rams haven't really added any players this offseason. Well, lo and behold, draft weekend has come and gone, and they have added 38 players to their roster. How you feeling? How you feeling about all these new Rams? You know, the interesting thing about that is they nearly doubled their roster just by just by this this draft. Uh well, I guess it's a mixture of draft and undrafted free agents, but you get the idea. Yeah, insanity. They drafted 14 players. They went in the draft with 11 picks. They walked out with 14. And then they signed 24 undrafted free agents. And I I would say pretty much every one of these players, not every one of them, but as far as our 14 draft picks, I mean, 13 of them have a chance to compete for a starting job. And almost all of these undrafted free agents will have the same chance because there are so many openings on this roster and with such a little amount of players, I would assume, I haven't looked into this, I would assume we added the most players over the weekend, and probably by a little bit of a margin. You know, this is not a normal thing to draft 14 guys and then sign 24 undrafted free agent. But when you don't have any players on your roster, this is what you do. Obviously, not all these guys are going to make the team, but excited to see how this plays out. It's going to be really fun preseason. But, I mean... Today, we're going to stick to the draft. We're going to attempt to talk about all 14 of these guys at least a little bit, but we will see how far we get. But, Johnny, let's talk about it as a whole. Uh, I would say 
the quick highlights, and then we'll talk about each guy in detail a little bit, or at least in some detail. They made the pick at 36 while still being able to trade back later up, later on to bring it out to 14 picks. And they traded up in one of those picks, albeit later on in the day. Ended up going offensive guard with their first pick at 36. They drafted three outside linebackers. They drafted one cornerback, but not until the sixth round. They drafted a quarterback in the fourth round, something that was speculated they'd do even earlier than that. We will we will get to that later. Um, only one receiver not taken until the fifth. Only one running back not taken until the sixth. Only one tight end taken in the fifth. How are you feeling overall about this? I would say for me, and I'll let you get into a little more detail this is the first draft I've walked away from in a bit where I was like, I feel like they took care of business and they did it the right way. They addressed the right positions. I have a lot of gripes about taking a quarterback in the fourth round, but it's not a less need Sean McVay draft without them doing some fucking bullshit like that. And the fact that they waited until the fourth round for us all to triple take at their draft pick it's is it's it's a win for me, and they made a smart pick at thirty six. They, I, I think personally, mostly smart picks in the third round. So they had a really, like, I'm really happy with what they came away with on day two. They ended up making three picks, even though they moved around a little bit uh, from sixty nine down to eighty nine. They did most of the things I wanted them to do, which was just make the pick at thirty six. Be smart about your trades and address positions that you really genuinely need and go more or less best player available at the top. I, I feel pretty good about this. How, how do you feel overall? This is definitely one of the more sensible drafts that the Rams have had in recent years. I think no matter what with any team, not just with the Rams, I, I feel like any team is going to have that kind of head-scratcher pick because ultimately the front offices will – try and make the choice that they feel is the better fit for their team overall. We may not understand at the time, um, but sometimes, you know, it works out for the best. Other times you'd like to forget about it. Hopefully there isn't that kind of pick this time around, though there's about two where I couldn't help but just kind of question the pick. But again, I would trust Less need and Sean McVay's judgment over my own, so we'll we'll see how it pans out. Uh, hopefully, not huge disappointments as we've seen in the past. And I think the biggest positive here is the head scratchers did not come at thirty six. They ended yeah. up making the pick. We thought they might trade up. They looked into it. There wasn't anything going for them there. They played safe here. They get Steve Avila. Did I say that right? Do you know what to say? Uh, Avila. Avila. Okay. I literally, I actually listened to all of um, the 11 personnel podcasts this week and Jordan said his name like 10 times and I don't know how I didn't come away with that, Um, (laughs) but Steve Avila, a guard out of TCU, it's a safe, this is a, a, I don't know necessarily safe because, you know, no traffic is really safe, but this is as like this is as safe as you can really go here. Yeah, he was a top guy on their board entering day two. So those first five picks or whatever went the way they wanted, and they got their guy. 
offensive guard, a position of need. We talked about, and I think I was pretty, I was feeling like they were going to ride it out with the offensive line they had, and I'm pretty happy they didn't. And I think this is the kind of guy you want to take at 36. Um, I've seen him ranked highly on a lot of boards as far as offensive guards go. Uh, Avila can play guard. He can play center. So that gives you the option to replace three different players on the offensive line. And I think depending on how camp goes, I don't necessarily think it's going to be Avila fighting for a starting job because I think you take this guy this high. This is the highest draft pick Sean McVay has ever made. He's probably a day one starter. Uh, they have good reason. Zero sacks allowed and 515 pass blocking snaps at TCU last season. Started a lot of games at guard, started a lot of games at center. So it's going to be the other guys, Brian Allen. Um, I mean, even Logan Bruss, if you want to throw him in there. Why am I blanking? Who else plays guard on this team? Uh, it would uh, theoretically be either Alaric Jackson or Coleman Shelton. Coleman Shelton. That's what I was missing. I was thinking Alaric Jackson at, would be competing with no boom for tackle in my head. I was missing Coleman Shelton. So it's going to be those guys. Uh, and yeah, even Jackson and no boom in, in a different way. Because if one of those, whoever loses that tackle battle could shift into guard. But it seems like you draft a guy this high. He's probably going to start. Um, I believe when we drafted Rob Havenstein the, around this pick, he started from day one. That was like a decade ago. So excuse my fossil references here. But we don't have much to point to because uh, this is, again, the highest pick of the McVay era. And, yeah, I, I love it. I'm, you know, if, if cornerback or edge rusher didn't shake the way they wanted to, I think this is a great alternate route to go. They didn't go skill position, which, you know, made me happy. We we talked a little bit about running back when Bijan goes, what's eight and Jameer Gibbs goes 12. You shouldn't be targeting running back at this pick. You probably shouldn't have been targeting receiver. There was a big run uh, in the first round of the big four guys. I'm really happy with this pick. I'm sure you know a lot more about this guy than me, Johnny. So how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, this this was definitely one of the better picks they could have done just because uh, when it came down to it, the Rams didn't trade up, which is fine. You know, they made it evidently clear that they wanted to add more picks rather than lose picks, and they definitely did. So, um, you know, the fact that they stood at 36, they're, they're, at that pick, there wasn't really any edge rusher that they could have went with without reaching. Like I, I, I talked to Derek and on the uh, on the uh, day day uh, one pro- podcast about potentially, you know, tr- uh, actually no, sorry, it was day two pro- uh, podcast um, about potentially trading or, or staying there and reaching for BJ Ojulari, which. Turns out wasn't a huge reach because he was just drafted a few picks later. Um, that could have been an option, though. I I really feel like you you shouldn't really reach for an edge here. And, and then beyond that, cornerback, there was a slew of cornerbacks just taken towards the end of the first round. And really the only cornerback that I really wanted in day two was uh, Joey Porter, who got selected by the Steelers in the very first pick of day two. So, yeah, uh, 
the only other guy that I would have considered there at cornerback would have been like a Tyreek Stevenson. That would have been an option, but um, ultimately you get you get the targeted offensive lineman that the Rams were, were shooting for, and, and he was a great selection here. Like, really, the Rams wanted versatility. They wanted to uh, to use either offensive guard or center. And the fact that, you know, Steve was kind of discussing already potential areas uh, to shift this guy around, that's huge already. You, you're talking about not only adding a potential starter here, but you're adding um, depth for other players here. You know, either way, if Avila takes one of these spots, you know, uh, at you know whether it be at guard or center, you're you're creating more depth here because whoever he's replacing is going to be an immediate backup. So uh, I like this. I like this a lot. I I don't know. Maybe if it comes down to it, if even if Sean McVay says, you know what, I'd rather this be kind of a, a redshirt year for him, which I doubt. But let's say for for argument's sake here that he wants to go that route maybe they could take this approach and have him like in a Joe Noteboom like a uh, role back in, uh, you know, 20, uh, 2021 where he was essentially like the sixth wide receiver or sixth. Oh boy. Sixth offensive <laughs> lineman, not sixth wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, um, so I, I like this. It really, it really adds more depth and adds more potential starters to this offensive line. And that's just one player um, being added here. So obviously this is something that the Rams worked on later in the draft as well, but this is exactly what the Rams needed offering a little bit stability, getting a little bit younger at the offensive line. And uh, here's hoping that this guy pans out to being a reliable, you know, uh, starter. Yeah, and uh, that is a great point about the depth. Like, yeah, he's, you know, I, I would be really surprised if they didn't start him. I'd honestly be a little concerned if they didn't start him. And <laughs> But you talk about guys like Coleman Shelton, Brian Allen. You know, we don't know what we have with Logan Bruss yet. But either of those two guys, if either of those two guys moves to the bench, you know, you feel really good about that guy being your sixth offensive lineman. And if someone, if Avila starts at center and they bench Allen, then you have Allen ready to go. If 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 one of the guards gets hurt, you could start him and probably bump Avila over to guard. Uh, so it does give you an added depth piece. You know, I was looking through just the second round picks of the McVay era: two two Cam Akers, Van Jefferson, Taylor Rapp, and Gerald Everett. I would say I'm definitely feeling the best about this pick out of all of these. I, I'm sure if you go back and listen to the Taylor Rapp pod, we were pretty positive about it, but. I definitely wasn't thrilled about moving back 30 spots. I mean, you can probably go listen and prove me wrong if that's not the case, but I, my memory serves me as that. Um, and obviously, I can confidently say we did not love the last three, two, two acres in, in Van. Um, so it feels good. It feels nice to walk away from this pick feeling like positive, optimistic, and if Avila doesn't pan out, I'm sure we could go back and nitpick it but the process of making this pick was correct, and I'm okay with that. I can live with the results if it, if it doesn't pan out. I mean, if it doesn't pan out, that's fine, because at least it, you know, this pick makes sense. This isn't 
you know, the Rams didn't go out and draft a gadget wide receiver. You know, they, they drafted a more sensible offensive lineman and the draft is not a guarantee. Even with the number one overall pick, you're not guaranteed to strike gold. So to, you know, find a bust essentially at pick 36 wouldn't be the biggest stretch in the world. The point is making a more sensible pick that, you know, at least makes sense. You're not, you're not trying to go after, you know, guys that just for shits and giggles, you know, you're, you're going after a guy that you can ideally plug in and he can make an improvement to your roster. Even if a guy like Tutu Atwell, for example, would have been the type of player that you wanted him to be, he still wouldn't have been a starter. He still would have been a glorified backup, even if he panned out. So that's kind of where it gets frustrating. But in this case, even if Avila turns out to be a bust, which let's hope not, um, at least you can see where they were going at. Yeah, you know, that's the big point in all of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to relitigate Tutu with you. you. You said it all. Yeah, that was the problem. Wasn't It wasn't that we didn't like – I mean, yeah, it was partially we didn't like him as a prospect. It was mostly not a position in need, not really a clear path to playing time, uh, and it would he would have to be a home run for that really to make sense over what was on the board and what his position was about to be on the depth chart and all that. Um, take a quick break, and then we'll get to the, our next guy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so... Johnny, on, the, on our last pod together, you said that Byron Young on the defensive side was one of the guys you're hoping they target, but you were talking about the other Byron Young from Alabama, and we drafted Byron Young from Tennessee, uh, which was really funny to me, so you kind of called it in a, in a way, uh, but <laughs> Byron Young out of Tennessee, really interesting prospect. He's on the older side. I think he's, what, 25, but... Uh, had a, had a wild story. He wasn't recruited much at all out of high school anywhere. He ended up going to military school, worked at Dollar General um, while he was playing for the JUCO football team, ends up transferring to Tennessee, has a great run um, with the Vols. Uh, in basically a year and a half as a starter, he racked up 12 and a half total sacks last year, 2022, his first team all-SEC. So even despite... 
a short progression, and he only was at Tennessee for two years, coming out of JUCO, older age. He developed pretty quick. Um, he proved himself in, in the best conference you can possibly play in in college. And it, the best thing he has going for him is he's a great edge rusher. Uh, all the reports I've been reading say he might need work as a run defender, but clearly it seems like you're drafting a guy that from day one has a really good chance to be at least a productive edge rusher um, and, and, and pass rushing specifically. And so I really like this pick as well. I think it's, uh, again, you need an edge rusher. And even though Young currently isn't the total package and might never be the total package, the skill you're drafting him to do is something they need. And as it currently sits on the roster, they have barely any playable edge rushers. So this is a good time to, to take a swing. And I, I, I almost would rather take a swing on a guy who, like, theoretically could pan out to be a really great situational pass rusher and maybe not so great at other things than a guy who might be okay at everything, if that makes sense. Uh, no, it, it does make sense. And, you know, funny thing, going back to last week's podcast, I I did actually forget that this Byron Young was actually in the draft. Um, I don't know why he slipped my mind, but he did. And uh, then I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. There is another Byron Young. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is, I didn't, I guess one of the reasons why I didn't focus too much on this Byron Young is because I didn't really see the Rams really having access to him. You know, I thought he would end up being I, – I didn't want the Rams to pick him at pick 36. So he was already kind of out of my mind there. And I didn't think he was going to fall to the Rams in the third round, much less at pick 77. So I thought in terms of value, that's certainly there. Um, and I, I find it odd. The reason why I suggested the other Byron, Byron Young is because I thought he would be at the Rams at the – you know, um, at either one of their their uh, third round picks, of course, the Rams traded away their third round pick uh, um, at pick sixty nine. So yeah, he went um, seventy. He went right after, so they could have had yeah, him. They, there you go. That would have got confusing. Yeah, yeah, would have. So uh, it, it's actually really surprising that the the now Raiders Byron Young is, you know, went got drafted before this Byron Young. So um, it, it's it's that in and of itself was interesting. But, you know, the Rams were able to land the edge rusher, Byron Young. And I have to say it was it was awesome because obviously this is a position of need, probably one of the biggest needs going into the draft. And, yeah, I mean, this guy is on the older side, which is fine. You know, um, that seemed to be kind of the the theme of this draft is – is uh, less need and Sean McVay didn't seem to mind drafting older guys. Maybe they're looking for, you know, a more mature type of, uh, you know, prospects. Hopefully that translates well, but we'll see. But what I like about this guy in particular is even though he's not the biggest guy out there, um, he's maybe not the, you know, strongest guy out there, but this is a guy that has, complete and utter no quit mentality you know definitely has a motor 
And what I like is if you look at some of his highlights, and that may not tell everything about a prospect, but if you look at his highlights, this guy does not quit. And I love that. He, I, Every single one, you could see him continuing and continuing. Even if he doesn't completely get to the quarterback, he's there. He's in their face. He may not um, cause a penalty, which I love, um, but he, he makes sure that the offense puts him on note. Uh, he puts the offense on notice. So I love that aspect of him, and he's definitely going to fit in here uh, because, well, quite frankly, there's two open vacancies, if we're being honest. So, um, yeah, certainly has to earn the spot, but I don't think that's going to be an issue. Yeah, I don't even know if he has to earn the spot, to be honest. I mean, just <laughs> throw him out there. Why not, right? What's the alternative? Like, yeah, he's – I mean, if he's not a, if he's not the day one starter, he will be – I would be shocked if week one he's not playing a good chunk of the passing downs, uh, just given how he, how he looks at the prospect, what his strengths are. And, yeah, I mean – if he's can't, if he's not great in run defense yet, well, sure as hell is going to get some chances to try it because a lot of these guys are going to talk about, man, there is not much competition at their positions. Like they, if any of these guys show promise in camp, uh, with the exception of our fourth round pick, they're probably starting no matter what. <laughs> like almost anyone on the list. Uh, it's maybe kind of interesting too because you know. This is, you know, if you look at past guys that Les Snead and, and, you know, Sean McVay have looked at at edge rusher, they were kind of on the bigger side, you know. Guys yeah. like Leonard Floyd were, what, like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And, uh, you know, going from that to a 6'2 guy, which doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's kind of interesting that they went in a different direction in terms of size. Could have just been because of availability, but it also shows that they don't necessarily care. Well, and I think it's partially too, like with this pick, like realistically, you're not chasing your next Robert Quinn. Like you're chasing your next Willie Hayes, like a guy who's going to be a really, really solid player in your rotation who could be a starter, probably not going to be an alpha type edge rusher. Uh, and I mean, Byron Young, he has potential to, to do it, but um, would have a lot of work to do to get to that level. But um Projects as a guy who should be in the rotation uh, at minimum for his his rookie contract uh, if if things even remotely work out. So before they drafted Byron Young, as you mentioned, they had the 69th pick. They ended up trading back with the Texans. They traded 69 and 191 for 73 and 161. And then at 73, they trade back again with the Giants for the 89th pick and the 128th pick. Uh, which I didn't mind personally. They stayed at 77. They made a pick in there, and they were going to do this no matter what. So to really uh, pick up, you know, you pick up an additional fourth-round pick and um, 161. What was that, a, a fifth-round pick? Yeah, yeah, that was Nick Hampton. Um, so essentially you get two more throws on the dartboard to move back 20 spots on the third round. I was okay with that. They ended up taking Kobe Turner out of Wake Forest, uh, interior defensive lineman. Went a little under the radar because he didn't receive an invite to the Combine, but he did have a standout year at Wake Forest last year. If you look at his pro football focus grade, so really high. I think he was the highest graded defensive lineman in a lot of categories, if not one of them. Uh, He's an undersized guy, which he noted. He said he studied Aaron Donald for a lot of those reasons. 
you know, position wise, I, I like the pick. It's something we need. But Johnny, you're more of an expert on this stuff than me. A lot of people saw this pick as a reach. How are you feeling about it? It was a bit of a reach. Um, I don't know if I would have said that it's as big of a reach as some people. Like I, I've seen from different analysts that say that, you know, they projected uh, Kobe Turner to drop all the way down to like the sixth round. I'm like, there's no way this guy was going dropping all the way to the sixth round. Yeah. Kuiper um, had him outside of his top 200. He said it was one of the biggest reaches of the draft. I I don't, I mean, I think what the reason why the major reason why is, yeah, of course you got to look at the things like he's, he's undersized, which yes, that I imagine that knocked him out of the, uh, you know, first round just in and of itself. But the fact that he didn't get a combine invite, I feel like is the big reason why this guy dropped so much on, you know, analyst draft boards because they didn't have a lot to go off of other than, you know, his regular season. And that's why I feel like the combine is not as useful as many people make it out to be. Now, does it have its uses? Of course. And I think Kobe Turner would have, you know, been a much higher selection had he gotten the invite, but sadly he didn't. What, but, you know, good news for us, because I think that, um, I think that the Rams did get himself a, a, a good, good prospect here. Was it a bit of a reach? Maybe. Um, I would have, I was actually thinking that, you know, a guy like Kobe Turner would have been in like the fourth round, maybe fifth round at the absolute latest. But um, in the end, the Rams got their guy and I can understand why the Rams went and targeted this guy as high as they, as they did, because, you know, even though he didn't get the combine invite, I, there, there were a lot of teams that I imagine, you know, were taking a look at Kobe Turner and, you know, maybe looking to Adam. But at the same time, you know, for what he can do and pairing him next to a guy like Aaron Donald, that's a scary idea. Keep in mind that this guy may not be the biggest guy, but neither is Aaron Donald. Not going to say he's Aaron Donald. Don't worry. But at the same time, this guy, if he plays with that same intensity, if he, uh, you know, based on what you look at his highlights and stuff like that, Kobe Turner is, you know, a guy that's going to really continuously attack offensive linemen. And what, what impressed me the most about him is even though he may not be the biggest guy, this guy is constantly adjusting, is reshuffling his feet, and he's trying to overall make an impact and make some type of disturbance. He may not get the tackle, he may not get the sack, but he's going to make a disturbance enough to ha- allow other players like maybe Byron Young to uh, make the play for him. And that's exactly what you want. Having a guy like Kobe Turner next to Aaron Donald can be a very dangerous thing, especially as he learns from Aaron Donald as well. No better teacher, in my opinion. Yeah, and you could tell with the way they drafted. They were looking for high-motor guys. They were looking for dogs. I think that's what Aaron Ronald told them he wanted to do in the draft. He wanted guys that, guys that were going to be ready to go, that were going to be ready to play. Um, and that's why I think a lot of these guys, like they're not huge projects, like monumental upsides. like Guys like this, like 
projects to be, you know, at his ceiling, a, a starting defensive lineman. Not going to be Aaron Donald, but can play, can give you some minutes, can give you some real quality snaps. And that's what they're going for. Guys that they can put next to Aaron Donald that are going to be ready to go, that are going to be ready to play and play hard. And, um, you know, the, the research I've done on him since we drafted him, I like it. You know, and it's, again, like, it's a position of need. It's a smart pick to go at the, at this at this pick. I, I'm okay with it for sure. And um, I think coming away day two with three guys on the interior on two different sides of the ball, no skill positions, was uh, – was a nice way to go. You know, you would have liked to get a cornerback in there, but wasn't really on the table. They did draft a cornerback later who um, we're going to talk about, and I'm sure we're both excited to talk about. But, yeah, I mean, coming out of day two, I was pretty happy. I, I think those are three solid picks. And and then we get into day three, and, boy, did they start it off with a bang. Uh, one of the picks they picked up moving back from 69 was 128, and they used it. On Stetson Bennett, national championship quarterback out of Georgia. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a quarterback like this. So th- there's so much like different things rolling around in my head with this pick. Um, it was a, he's apparently less needs favorite quarterback in the draft. First of all, do you do you believe that? Like, do you actually believe that? No. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Maybe at value. Uh, there's no way that's true, but whatever. There's a Georgia connection here with Stafford. Um, it seems like everybody loves this guy, and so look, like if they're all that high on it, it's a fourth round, like that's fine. Um, Jordan Rodriguez noted um, on, on her podcast that the defensive coaches were also ecstatic about this pick because you get a real backup quarterback in here. Now, granted, he has to be a real backup quarterback which he's 25, he's on the older side, doesn't have a great pro- profile as a prospect, but he's a winner. You know, like we mentioned, all the defensive guys, seems like a dog. And um, a lot of the same attributes, I would say, that Baker Mayfield kind of brought to the table in terms of intangibles. And so, like, you're getting a guy that you expect to be a quality backup quarterback. I don't know if he has starter potential, which is kind of scary taken with this pick. This is the first quarterback that Sean McVay and Lesney have drafted together. Um, so Lesney has drafted three quarterbacks overall, Johnny. If you name them, I will Venmo you $20. Sean Mann? Well, yeah, Sean Mannion, right? Yeah, he's drafted three of them. So Sean Mannion, Jared Goff. You can name the third one. I will be ridiculously impressed. Sean Mannion, David. Uh... Oh, gosh. I, I feel like I should know this. No, nah, you shouldn't. I wouldn't have known it if I didn't look at the list. I don't think he All ever right, actually you know played what? for us. And he was drafted. Yes. Sixth round in 2014. 2014. Oh, God. That's going to bother me. Yeah, you know what? Just let me know. Garrett Gilbert. <laughs> That's right. I yeah. should know that. Yeah, I, I would have never. I would never know that. that. Um, but a, a nice little history lesson there. But like, listen. Uh, at the end of the day, this is the first time they've drafted a quarterback. They waited this long. They took him on day three. Did they reach for him? Could they have gotten him later? Maybe, probably. But like, if this is the guy, their hearts are set on at backup quarterback. 
it's at the end of the day, it's pick 128. There were a lot of darts I would have rather thrown, but they appeased us all on day one, day two. Get a little crazy on day three, I guess. Like, sure, we don't have a backup quarterback. We need one. It is, I guess, technically a position in need. But as I've stated, you know, if Matthew Stafford isn't it this year, they're going to draft quarterback next year. And so, like, like I guess. I, I guess. And, I mean, if they both like him, you know, it's, a, it's another project for Sean McVay. Keep him around for a while. It's fine, I guess. How, how do you feel about Stetson? And I'm sure you know more about him as a prospect than I do. So I learned two things on day three with uh, with this pick in particular. I learned, number one, Stetson Bennett is actually a freaking tongue twister for me. I I don't know if that's for everyone, but for me, I get tongue-tied whenever I try to say his name, and especially trying to say it quickly. I Maybe it's just me, but it that I kept messing up his name for I the mean, life of me. I, I have no idea why. I got a little bit of a lisp, so Stetson is not a fun name for me. <laughs> not, not the best. <laughs> so Stetson Bennett I I'm forever gonna say his name slowly just so I don't mess it up but in in this case I did not project this guy going in the fourth round I you know I do think that there's something to be said about him being a winner I mean the Georgia the Georgia Bulldogs have been you know, one of the most successful teams in the past, you know, four seasons. So um, it's it's understandable for the Rams to appreciate that fact about him. He is older. And I believe he, if if he's not the oldest prospect, he's one of them for sure. Um, but again, the big issue isn't necessarily drafting him. It's where they did it. And this is definitely not going to be, and I'm sure even the Rams are aware of this. He's, he's definitely not going to be the future of the franchise, but maybe could be a quality backup, maybe like a career AJ McCarron type of, of quarterback, you know, where he's just destined to be a backup quarterback unless he goes to like the XFL or something. But Overall, I I feel like if they were going to get a career backup quarterback, it should have been later rather than earlier. And I think that's where it's kind of disappointing. It's not the end of the world just because it was clearly a need. You know, the Rams don't have a quarterback other than Matthew Stafford on the roster. So it's nice to have, you know, somebody there. And, uh, you know, I do think that in a way, even though he won't be, you know, the more talented quarterback in this draft, at least this is a guy that has a lot of experience um, on the collegiate level and at a higher collegiate level. And that's where I think it it matters because, you know, this this is a guy that you want to kind of give the ball to because he has experience in the big games. He has experience, um, you know, handling a team and a really good team at that. So overall, I'm not thrilled with the pick, but I can kind of understand why 
the Rams targeted him as, as a backup. And more than likely, if I had to predict, in 2024, the Rams are going to try and find their true starting quarterback um, for the future. Yeah, I mean, my hope is that Stafford plays really well, and we don't have to worry about it next year, but uh, it's obviously a big if. And, yeah, like, in their defense, three quarterbacks went in the next 12 picks, um, four in the next 22 uh, so guys were flying off the board in the fifth round. I think four four quarterbacks went in the fifth, uh, in addition to Aiden Con- O'Connell, who went uh, a couple picks after them. So, like, yeah, like, if you're going to do it, it, it's not bad at, at this moment in the draft. So, sure, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to talk about in the preseason, for sure, having a, a higher-profile backup. And, I mean it's not going to take much for him to become the second best backup we've had in like six years. For real. <laughs> uh, take another quick break and then we will keep, keep on our own to the fifth. All right. Fifth round. The Rams made a lot of picks in this round. We'll just run through them in order. Uh, they made four picks here and then three in the six, three in the seventh. So shit, 11, Day three picks is crazy. Nick Hampton went 161 outside linebacker out of Appalachian State. He's 6'3". Well, small, like you mentioned, like another smaller outside linebacker. Um, He had 18 sacks at Appalachian State. For those of you who forgot this, like me, until today, they are D1, like main division, right? They moved up? Uh, I don't know technically if they are D1, but I do know they play D1 team. Yeah, they're in the they're in the Sun Belt. So they're they're FBS main division. Um, but college football basically if you don't play in a power five conference, you might as well be in a different division. Be in a D two, because you have no chance of doing anything. But uh yeah, it's it's a D one conference, played in a big conference. Another another outside linebacker, um, another pass rushing heavy talent. How'd you feel about Nick Hampton? And it was at this point in the podcast that Johnny forgot to turn his mic off on mute. And I was gonna edit it out, but I will just leave it me calling him out here. If you are talking, I can't hear you. And I was on mute. <laughs> Johnny, <laughs> you're making me edit. Ah, uh, sorry, sorry. Brutal. All right, so as I was talking to myself, um, (laughs) the interesting thing particularly about prospects out of Appalachian State, obviously this is not a big school, not a big enough school to churn out a lot of prospects. But for whatever reason, every year there's at least one really good or decent prospect out of that school and Nick Hampton is definitely the that guy. You know, he's, again, undersized, much like uh, Byron Young. But again, it as we've been kind of alluding to this entire time, that's kind of, he, he kind of possesses the same things as, uh, as Nick Hampton, uh, as uh, Byron Young, you know, where they, uh, they continuously add guys, you know, with the bigger motor, more athleticism, 
And uh, overall, that's kind of the story of this year's draft. Just going after these guys that have, you know, endless, you know, um, determination and everything like that. So overall, if that's what uh, Les Snead was targeting this year, mission accomplished. And I, I think that they got themselves a really underrated guy here. Um, a little bit harder to tell just because it, it'll be interesting to see how he plays on the NFL level. But overall, I'm happy with the pick. Yeah, and um, and I do like the mentality of a lot of these picks because you – after 36, like you're not chasing guys to replace Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey uh, and those blue chip guys. You're you're looking for guys to replace Nick Scott and Greg Gaines and, you know, those type of players who are who filled out your roster. And a lot of them it, it were, were quality starters, you know, not not the world beating guys like Jalen Ramsey, like you're all pros, but guys that were good, productive we couldn't afford to bring back, you have to replace them. And so, like you said, like all these motor guys, those are the guys you're chasing and trying to replace at the end of the day. And, um, you know, Hampton seems like seems like a quality pick and a nice a nice another dart throw here at getting an edge rusher. And I like that they drafted three guys. We'll talk about Mathis in a bit. Um, but get as many swings at that position as you can because you're going to need it. And, and unlike cornerback, there's no real prospects on the roster at edge rusher. So you're bringing in some guys that could have a chance. They made a lot of picks in a quick turnaround here from 161 to 189. They picked six times. So 174, they went with Warren McClendon, an offensive tackle out of Georgia. He started at right tackle for both those national championship teams. Honestly, that's enough of a bio for me to be okay with taking him in the fifth round. Yeah, I mean, overall, uh, Warren McClendon, the fact that he was still there at pick 174, I thought was huge. You know, I, I don't know if you're necessarily getting yourself a future starter, but if nothing else, this guy's going to be sufficient depth. And, uh, you know, overall, I his his uh, production or, you know, um, his protection, rather, was pretty amazing in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, only giving up one sack um, last season. So if nothing else, that, that in and of itself is, is impressive because again, playing on a, you know, a, a successful team like Georgia, that's ultimately what you want. You want to see guys like this that, um, that have proven track records and especially this late in the draft, uh, so even if McClendon doesn't pan out, um, who, who's going to really fault the Rams for selecting a guy like him to his pedigree at in the fifth round? So whole, wholeheartedly love this pick. Again, much like um, Avila, McClendon is a guy that can be versatile as well. You can play it. Uh, you can move him around the offensive line, which is something that Less need and, and Sean McVay seem to love to do. Yep. So, hey, I, I'm all for it, adding more depth. And who knows, if this guy pans out to be something special, um, you know, we could see a potential 
a replacement for Rob Havenstein in the future. You never know. David Edwards went 169. McClendon went 174. So there is um, reason to believe this could pan out. And yeah, you know, as a depth piece, this guy's played in big games against the best talent college football has to offer. You're feeling pretty good about him being a a positive depth piece for this team and with potential to start. You know, he's going to sit behind Havenstein for a bit. That'll be great experience for him playing behind a vet. Maybe if it all works out, he could end up being his replacement down the line. But um, I, I like it, and it's, it's happy to add another piece of depth at offensive line, always. One pick later, uh, 175, they picked again. They went with Davis Allen, a tight end out of Clemson. Guy's huge, six foot six, joins a tight end room with Bryson Hopkins and Hunter Long uh, competing for that number two spot behind Tyler Higby, who's in a contract year. So I'm pretty happy they went with a tight end in this draft. Pretty happy they didn't go with it that high after, you know, three tight ends were already off the board at 36 at that point. You might as well wait till the later rounds. And um, Davis Allen, you know, I, I watched some some of his tape. He's his, his stats don't really pop off the board, but he's a big guy who can go up and get the football. And if that's the one skill he brings to this team, that's not a skill that's currently on our roster. You know, we thought Allen Robinson could be the guy. Maybe he would have been, but he's not here. And so I'm not going to say that with the game on the line, you want to throw a red zone fade to Davis Allen when you're pushing for a playoff spot. But there's certainly some potential here. Certainly at the frame, you know, he's not not quick or anything. He's not fast, but um, could be a guy that becomes a pass catch, a meaningful pass catcher on this team, especially in the red zone. And you're taking a shot at another potential replacement for Tyler Higby if he leaves next year. Uh, I, I like it, and I, I'm pretty excited to watch him play in the preseason. I feel like with uh, Davis Allen in particular, if you, if you really like compare him to like some of the guys that were drafted ahead of him, I think he was really just a guy that suffered from being on a really good team. And the reason why I say that is because Clemson in particular is a team that had so many different and still has so many different um, weapons to choose from. And he's just one that was just kind of really just used for one purpose only, and that's as a red zone target. And, you know, that's fine. That's something the Rams have had issues with for a long time. So I'm all for getting a guy like Davis Allen, especially here. And in, in essence, I kind of compare Davis Allen to like a poor man's Michael Meyer. And uh, for, for those of you that don't know, Michael Meyer was the uh, um, one of the top tight ends in, in this year's draft uh, from Notre Dame. Yep. And his production right? is... Huh? He went 35, right, to the Giants? Or to the Correct. Raiders, I mean, Raiders. Was it, Oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. It was the Raiders. Uh, so... <laughs> You know, the reason why he he got the the nod to be up much higher, uh, you know, he has a little bit better blocking and everything uh, than Davis Allen does. But at the same time, the reason why he gets a, a higher nod is because he has the production. You know, he, he has way more production than Davis Allen does. And really, the 
the main reason, like I said, is just because they don't, you know, Clemson didn't really need to rely on him. You know, uh, they had so many different options. And I, I think that Davis Allen is, is definitely going to be a guy that the Rams could rely on in the future. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a guy that will pan out as a blocker, if I'm being honest, but overall, uh, love this pick, especially if he ends up being, uh, the guy that we're hoping him to be. And best of all, Steve, he's a tight end. He is not a projected tight end. He's not an experimental tight end. He is a tight end. He isn't a converted wide receiver. He is a tight end. The shots at Jacob Harris being fired right now. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not just Jacob Harris. It, it's not the first time the Rams have, you know, tried to work with a a newly developed tight end before. You know, um, he's just the most recent one. Yeah, and and um, you know, not having not being the top target in Clemson, like that being a factor into why his numbers are low. Sometimes that could be a positive because. You know, in the NFL and all sports, really, occasionally guys will get to the NFL with a bit of main character syndrome where they've been the best player in their position group their entire life. And they get there and they're being cast as the fourth or fifth option and they they really can't deal with it. It doesn't happen that often. Well, it probably happens more often than not, but with bigger prospects than that that often. When you get a guy like this who he's walking in, you know, probably is going to be the fifth or sixth option coming from being the third or fourth option at Clemson, it's a lot easier for transition. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I was, I was really happy with the spec. I'm glad they took a tight end. Uh, and this is a, a nice prospect here. Two picks later, again, still round five. They go with Puka Nakua, a wide receiver out of BYU. Uh, boy, Johnny, it has never been more obvious watching someone's tape who they're trying to replace than when you just watch this guy play. Uh, it is so blatantly obvious they are chasing a Robert Woods replacement here. Just anyone, if you haven't looked up this guy on YouTube, just look it up. Uh, runs a lot of jet sweeps, a uh, little burst in the open field on shorter passing routes, can go deep too. Um, profiles is more possession guy. In 21 games at BYU, he had 1,400 yards in, in the air, roughly 350 rushing yards on the ground last season. Scored 10 touchdowns in nine games, five on the ground, five in the air. It's a bit of an injury history, but it's the fifth round. There is a literal one-to-one comparison for what this guy could look like in Sean McVay's offense if he pans out. I am really happy with this pick. Um, if you're going to wait on a receiver, you know, you. I, I like the decision to not go with, like, some monumental upside prospect and take a guy who clearly has the capabilities to if he translates to the next level, do something you've had on the team before that you don't currently have. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. This was one that I had kind of a bit of a question mark on, not necessarily because of his ability, because basically all of what Steve said is extremely accurate. This is a guy that could be a potential Robert Woods replacement. And I, you know, if he even ends up even remotely close to Robert Woods, I'm, I'm stoked to have this guy. But again, I have to wonder why the Rams went after Nakua. 
not exactly the type of receiver that I was really hoping for personally. But again, this isn't my offense. It is, uh, you know, Sean McVay's offense. And if he feels like uh, Nakua is more of a a need for this offense, that's fine. But again, this is an offense that lacks speed. I, I know we just kind of added uh, height with Davis Allen, but he's a tight end and not a receiver. Uh, you know, not that Nakua is small by any standards. I mean, he's not, you know, Davis Allen tall, but, you know, he's not a small guy. But, boy, I, I this one just kind of scratches my head a little bit just because, again, I feel like there are too many wide receivers on this roster that are our possession receivers, maybe not this specific of a possession receiver, but it, it just kind of baffled me a little bit. Um, if all goes well, if he ends up being like a Robert Woods type player, uh, you know, you get to replicate a cup in woods scenario again, I guess that would be nice, but you know, I, this was kind of a position that, you know, kind of didn't get the treatment that we were hoping for. But at the same time, there were so many needs on this roster. There was going to be one position that wasn't addressed, and this happened to be one of them. I, I'm hoping that Nakua turns out to be the next Robert Woods, because if he does, great. If not, it, this is just kind of a weird pick for me. Well, it's a late fifth-round pick, so I think, like, to counter what you're saying, those big-body, deep-threat-type, go-get-a-jump-ball-type guys, they're not there. Like, the odds of you getting some... its I think it's a lot more realistic you can draft somebody to fill a Robert Woods-type hole than the theoretical hole that they wanted Al Robinson to fill, if that makes sense. Like, And even what they were trying to get with... Tutu, like the burner guy. Like, I just feel like those guys who have that type of upside in a realistic way aren't on the board. You have a point there, but it goes back to like the Stetson Bennett move. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm getting at. Instead of, you know, reaching for Bennett there, they could have, you know, added a, you know, a more compatible wide receiver, in my opinion. It's not the end of the world for them to pick Nakua here. It's not necessarily a value thing. It's more of a fit thing. And um, maybe he does fit in just a little bit, but you're, you're really not adding anything different to your offense than what they've already had. Um, so, again, unless you're getting the next Robert Woods, this move just baffles me a little bit. Here's hoping he's the next Robert Woods. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I just... I think it's clear what they're chasing. It's the 177th pick. So, um, but it's a good point with Bennett too. Like they could have chased a more realistic guy at that pick that might be able to do some of the things you said, but I think like who's left on the board here. I, I, I like the pick and we'll see what happens. Um, and I think like there, they have cap space next year. They have draft picks. That's when they're going to be targeting a game changing wide receiver. For sure. It's um and so like if Puka shows you enough that he could be the number three guy behind Cup and somebody who's not on the team yet, that'd be great. That'd be huge. But big if. I mean, 
he might not even ever play meaningfully for us. Five picks later, now we're in the sixth round, 182nd pick. Their first cornerback of the draft, Travius Hodges Tomlinson. This guy won the Jim Thorpe Award for the nation's best defensive back. He was the first-team All-American in 2022. First-team All-Big 12 in three consecutive seasons at TCU. You're probably wondering how he's on the board at 182. He's 5'8". The biggest knock on him, the, the clearest knock on him I've from reports I've read, from what I've heard, the clear reason why he was available this late. But to me, and Johnny, I'd love to know if you agree. I mean, they've had success with short cornerbacks on this team. You know, Nick Alroby Coleman played well for a bit. LaMarcus Joyner obviously had a really good run here, got himself a big contract when he left. They were both 5'8". Darius Williams is only 5'9", and he was a terror next to Jalen Ramsey for a bit. And so it's a six round. Again, like I've been saying, you are this is he's not being drafted to be Jalen Ramsey's replacement. But if you get Darius Williams' replacement, who we still really haven't replaced in this guy, that's a home run. And to me, this is just a smash pick here because he has the tools to be a successful nickel cornerback. He's never going to be the guy who's going to go out there and shut down Justin Jefferson for an entire game. But that's not what you're drafting for at 182. At 182, if you're getting a cornerback, it's a clear path for this guy to be a like more than successful starter to me. Like he has all the tools to do it. It just we'll see if he could transition into defending more bigger guys in the NFL. But I don't think he's ever going to have to be the guy. Like you're not. He's probably he's not Jalen Ramsey. And so I'm kind of shocked that this guy was here. Just like looking at his profile, watching some of his tape. I'm thrilled by this pick. How did you feel about it? This has to be one of the bigger stills in this year's draft, undoubtedly. You know, this guy could pan out to be the biggest steal in this year's draft. And in my opinion, that's not that's not a um, a controversial thing to say. You know, now, am I going to sit here and tell you that he is going to be the future Jalen Ramsey? No, I mean, he's not even the same type of cornerback. But at the same time, I, I like this pick a lot because not only is the value there, but this guy is fulfilling a huge need already. Um, and, you know, kind of pairing him up with a guy like Kobe Durant, this, you know, this is going to be uh, the type of cornerbacks uh, that you're going to want on your roster, especially in an era of the NFL where, you know, you're kind of slinging the football downfield because the receivers are getting smaller. They're getting, uh, they're getting faster. Even the taller receivers are fast. So you need these speedy, speedy corners. Even if they're undersized like uh, Tomlinson here, it's fine. You know, um, he plays a lot bigger than he actually is. It's actually kind of entertaining to watch him, you know, bat away a ball from much taller receivers. Now, again, uh, are, are you going to sit here and watch him guard these taller receivers. No, that's not the ideal thing. But um, if this guy, uh, you know, translate well on the next level, he's going to be a very good uh, contributor to this team. And getting him in the sixth round is nothing short of amazing. You know, I, I can't believe that he fell to the Rams here at pick 182. 
uh, good on, on less need for catching that and, and the scouting department, because I, I really think that this guy is going to be an impact player even during his rookie year. I can't believe they drafted these other four guys we just talked about before him. For real. <laughs> that's that's it, almost the craziest part here. Yeah, like I... <laughs> for all the sh- good shit I just said about Puka Nakua, it's honestly baffling to me that these two guys were both on the board. They clearly wanted to draft both of them, and they didn't take Hodges Tomlinson first. <laughs> yeah, I'll never understand that logic either, but... Hey, I'm I'm happy they got him. The value is is beyond there. Um, and even if if uh, he turns out not to be the guy that we're hoping for him to be, you know, becomes the next David Long. <laughs> at least it was only in the sixth round. You yeah, know? A, a lot easier to swallow at 182. Yeah, like if this pick doesn't work out, like, there's no long like it will not affect the franchise that much it's just a a missed draft pick but I think like the guys that you have in the room right now and correct me if I'm wrong like Kobe Durant even Robert Rochelle to a lesser extent those guys are longer cornerbacks right like they if they panned out and I mean I don't know if either will pan out I certainly don't feel great about Robert Rochelle at this point uh they would be more outside cornerbacks but Hodges Tomlinson's ceiling really feels like a nickel guy, but it's a realistic ceiling for him to reach. Very much so, because that's, um, you know, him being that, you know, nickel corner, that's what you want. You know, you want him to be, you know, that kind of scrappy, smaller guy. Typically speaking, you don't see taller, uh, you know, nickel corners. Of course, you don't usually see him at 5'8 either. But, um, hey, you know, if, if he plays you know uh the nickel corner spot he's not going to be seeing you know the six five six six guys he's going to be seeing you know the five tens you know the six footers at the absolute tallest so i i love this i love this pickup it's definitely was one of the best if not the best pick for the rams yeah i love it it's um certainly one of my favorite picks of the draft for them for sure 189, couple picks later, the last pick in this crazy run of picks they had pretty much back-to-back. O'Shawn Mathis, another outside linebacker out of Nebraska. Four-year starter, played three years at TCU before transferring to Nebraska. Monster 2020 season numbers-wise. He had nine sacks, but never really got back to that level. Um, But unlike the other two guys we drafted, physically an imposing dude who has the, the physical attributes being a successful pro. And so they did get a big guy here. I don't have much takes on Mathis, but I'm more than fine with another dart throw at an edge rusher. You know, this this was kind of one of those picks where, in in terms of value, maybe not the most valuable pick here. He honestly didn't have much success last year. But at the same time, the Rams just kind of said, you know what? let's give this guy a shot. He has the, the physical frame that you want in an edge rusher. If they can coach him up, um, this could be, you know, a sleeper guy, but obviously this is going to be a project player. Um, you can never have too many good edge rushers. So if he does pan out, then hell, why not? Um, if nothing else, this guy literally has everything you want in terms of uh, physical specimen, uh, in an edge rusher, has huge arm length, 
massive at six foot five. <laughs> you know, um, maybe not the most athletic guy on the field, but you know, there's no nothing wrong with taking a chance here. It's a sixth round pick, a late sixth round pick. So yeah, no no reason to be all that upset here. Uh, I've seen uh, a lot of people like uh, particularly on Twitter that weren't thrilled about this pick and maybe is nothing to be overly excited about. But um, if Mathis turns out to at least be a contributor, that's already a win in my opinion. Yeah. And, and when you're making 11 picks on day three and 10 of them are after the fourth round, the odds of everyone liking all of them are low. So like yeah. you know, there's some complaints about Nakua. There's some complaints about Mathis. I mean, there's a lot of picks here, so you're not and you're not going to get a ten out of ten grade on every single pick from everybody. They actually traded up for the next guy at two fifteen. They moved up from two fifty two to two fifteen and give up a future sixth round pick to grab their first running back of the draft, Zach Evans out of Ole Miss. Johnny, this has got to be, and I didn't do the math here, um, but I'm doing it now. This is the. Six straight year, they drafted a running back. If you count fullbacks, Sean McVay has drafted a running back in every draft he's been the GM. Uh, if if you want to count Sam Rogers in 2017. Oh, 20- man, that was funny. <laughs> 2018, they took John Kelly in the sixth. 2019, they took Daryl Henderson in the third. 2020, Cam Akers in the second. 2021, Jake Funk in the seventh. 2022, Karen Williams in the fifth. 2023, Zach Evans in the sixth. Now, let me caveat this with the fact that I remember we both loved John Kelly when they drafted him in the sixth round. But I love this pick. Uh, You watch his tape. He's got great bursts. He's big. He's a downhill runner. He has the tools to be a running back one in the NFL as a lead back down. You know, maybe he doesn't have the total package to be a three down, every down back, but certainly has has the profile to be an early round guy um i like the decision to move up and get him you know like we said with tom hodges tomlinson could have taken that 189 and i would have been happy but ultimately you're gonna need to bring in another running back if you didn't want to go chase down one of those vets i like the decision to draft evans here i genuinely think he can compete for playing time and be in the running back rotation in week one if if he does pan out in the preseason you know, um, this has to be probably my second favorite pick in this year's draft. Um, l- absolutely loved it. Even trading up to get him, you know, the fact that he was there in round six is kind of amazing. Goes back to, you know, that kind of same comparison. Why the Rams pick, you know, a guy like, uh, you know, <laughs> Mathis before him um, is kind of baffling, but. Uh, hey, you know, they still picked them at pick 215. So value is definitely there. Um, overall, in my opinion, the biggest knock on this guy is the fact that he has a little bit of a fumbling issue. And that's something that I feel like can be coached. Um, you know, as long as the, uh, you know, running backs coach works with uh, Zach Evans, make sure that he secures the ball properly. I think they'll be fine. You know, uh, obviously he's not going to be the main back in 2023, 
he'll definitely, you know, uh, have to earn some carries behind uh, Cam Akers. But when you think about it, he is the type of runner that you kind of want to complement Akers, sort of like how the Rams were hoping that Daryl Henderson was going to complement Akers. So I, I love this selection. And, uh, you know, clearly the Rams weren't going to pick you know, the top three guys. So the fact that they could find a, you know, some gold in the lower round, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all for it, man. I, I think this is going to be an excellent pick for them. And uh, we'll see. We'll, uh, especially since the, the Rams are clearly focusing and shifting their attention on the ground game. Evidence of that is drafting a guy like Avila in the first or in the second round. So, yeah, uh, not much more to say about this pick other than I can't wait to, for the preseason to see this guy play. Yeah, there's so many players in this list that I can't wait to watch the preseason. When's the last time we've been excited for a preseason? Uh, I mean, we're excited for the preseason because let's be real, this this team isn't going to go far <laughs> in the regular season. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I, I, I'm not out. I'm not out on them being a playoff team yet. Uh, I'm not bet. Well, I, I might bet on it depending on the odds, but I'm probably not betting on it if they're realistic odds um but yeah man it's a great addition to the running back room i was really happy with this pick well lightning round through the seventh round here uh round seven 2023 probably the pick of the draft ethan evans a punter punter johnny (laughs) out of wingate um wingate plays in the south atlantic conference in division two which you know I, i watch a ton of the south atlantic conference this year caught the wingate bulldogs a ton i was really impressed with ethan evans i none of that's true nobody watched this guy i don't know if i believe the rams watched this guy who watched him in the building wingate you know, i'm not gonna lie i thought you were honest there for a second <laughs> <laughs> after all the stuff i said about not really watching college football imagine if i was just a d2 buff <laughs> big wingate bulldogs guy. i've been like steve why are you holding back man uh, I will say Greg Zerline was D3, so I, I'm happy they addressed one of these positions. Um, we'll talk about the end draft to free agents next week. They did sign a kicker, um, but oh, they signed two? Yep. Oh, fuck yeah. Another kicker battle? Let's go. Uh, I hope they grab another punter, too. I don't know if they did. I not, don't think they did. I'm not ready to hand Ethan, Ethan Evans the job. Just because we drafted him in the seventh round, um, I'm assuming you don't have any takes on my guy Ethan. I mean, just that looking at his stats, they seem to be pretty good. For you know, again, this is a D2 punter. I I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I watched a game of his. I never have, other than just the highlights that I looked up. Uh, you know, after we selected him, I was like, who? But, uh, again, it's not like, again, I, I, I'm looking at punters and like, oh, this guy's going to be the next Johnny Hecker. No, it, I, I'm not no uh, special teams expert by any means or an expert at all for that matter. But, um, hey, you know, I, I don't hate the pick. Um, I can't tell you if it was a reach or not. But, uh, again, for a 223rd seventh round pick, I, I don't think. I'm losing sleep over it, even if he doesn't pan out. I'm a big advocate of there are no bad picks in the seventh round. You you can't no. really make a mistake here. 
<laughs> we got to try and get Ethan Evans on the pod. Maybe we could actually pull that one off. Oh man, dude, I, I need to. We need to make this happen, man. Uh, two thirty-four. They get Jason Taylor, the second safety at Oklahoma State. For those wondering, no, they are not related. Um, he seems like he was graded a lot higher than the seventh round from what I was researching. Uh, he had a big playability at Oklahoma State. Six interceptions in twenty twenty-two. This is the first safety we drafted, so I mean. Again, chasing guys like a Nick Scott type replacement, he's gonna have a chance to compete for a starting job. Um, <laughs> we'll see if he wins it, but I, you know, if they're gonna draft one profile wise, just in the seventh round, it seems like a nice pick to me. Third favorite pick of the draft. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I love this pick a lot. Um, uh, again, I don't know if I would have projected him as high as some people like. Some people were suggesting that this guy could be as high as like a fourth round pick. Uh, no, not really. Um, I do think that what I like most about this guy is dude can hit. Like one of the things that we're going to miss from Nick Scott is his hitting ability. But like seriously, check out some of his highlights. This guy hits and hits hard. Uh, so that's definitely why um, – I feel like Les Snead targeted this guy. Um, maybe we'll have the same success with him uh, as we did with Nick Scott. You know, maybe he turn, uh, starts off as a special teams contributor and then, you know, ends up with a starting role. You never know. Or maybe it happens this year just because unlike uh, when Nick Scott was drafted, the Rams don't exactly have a lot of, uh, well, you know, for sure starters at safety. So, Who's, we'll see. Who's projected to be the other starter right now? Maybe Russ East or... Russ East, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, that job is wide open. Yeah. Um, yeah, between Russ East and Jordan Fuller, if if the season were to start right now, I'd imagine those two would be your starters. Yeah, which, I mean, I mean, Fuller, if Fuller loses his job, we might as well cut him based on who his competition yeah. are. Uh, and yeast is far from being locked in. So yeah, this is a nice pick. Um, you get a guy who actually could potentially contribute in year one at two thirty four. Last pick of the draft, not only for the Rams but the whole draft, Mister Relevant at two hundred fifty nine this year. Johnny, can you name the Rams? The last time the Rams drafted a Mister Relevant, do you know who it is? I do actually, and the reason why is because when the Rams drafted him. That was the first time I had even heard of Mystery Relevant, and that's David Vibora. Yeah, I'm I'm glad we think on the same wavelength because I knew that without looking it up too. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was so interesting when that happened, and yeah, uh, good old David Vibora. I wonder whatever happened to him. He had a, he had a decent career. I mean, he certainly had a good career for where he was drafted. Um, he started sure. a little bit on the Rams. Um, yeah, he did have a little bit of success with the Rams. Yeah. For a seventh-round pick, I mean, it seemed like he played long They're enough rolling. to get his get his tenure. Um, I don't know what the proper word is. Last year, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant, so things can happen with this pick. This year, it's Dewan. Is it Dewan? Is that a ghost S in his name? Dewan Johnson? I don't know if it's Deswan or Deswan. Deshaun or I'm not entirely sure. I've been saying Deswan 
that's fine. Well, we'll just say Johnson for now, and we will confirm that later. <laughs> uh, he's a defensive lineman out of Toledo. Another interior defensive lineman joins Kobe Turner. Um, I ran out of time researching this podcast, and unfortunately, I don't have a lot of takes on Mister Relevant today. But are you familiar with this game? I'll be honest, I didn't know too much about this guy, uh, but based on the highlights that I was looking at, uh, definitely is a guy that um, I feel like the Rams will use situationally, not necessarily stick with uh, just on the defensive line, uh, because quite frankly, not only is he not the biggest guy in the room, but he... He's really small in all aspects. You know, he's, uh, you know, uh, not even 300 pounds, which is kind of rare uh, nowadays, unless you have like one of those hybrid type of defensive linemen that are just ridiculously quick. Um, What I will say about him based on what I've seen is um, he is someone that I feel like can tackle very well. uh, And I love that about him. But how he's going to do on the next level is going to be interesting because, quite frankly, I don't know where he's going to play. Like, do do I for surely can't see him as a defensive tackle, which means I guess you could try him out as edge rusher. But as mystery relevant, it's not a huge issue if he doesn't pan out. Maybe you keep him on the practice squad for a little bit. Um, if he, if he isn't able to make the active roster, but yeah, this one's kind of weird for me because I, I just, I question where they're, where exactly they're going to put him. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it is the literal last pick of the draft. If he doesn't make the team, there's no harm, no foul. He'll have to impress a training camp. I would say s- probably every other player on this list, I would bet on making the team um, besides Johnson. But, hey, if he doesn't make the team, he got drafted. I certainly yep. didn't get drafted. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, all right. Well, Johnny, we're going on like 80 minutes here, so I think they're going to wrap it up. Is there anything we didn't hit with the draft? We'll do undrafted free agents next week. We'll talk about still some big holes that are left on the team. But any other thoughts here? Uh, just go Lakers. Uh, yeah, we got you out. It's uh, what is it? Six thirty-eight your time, right before tip-off. Yep, that's uh, I'm like, all right, let's let's end the pod so we can watch Lakers win. Embiid won MVP. Be a great night for us. <laughs> he did win. I'm rooting for the Lakers. I, I don't. I'm I'm sick of the Warriors. Uh, all right. Well, follow us on Twitter at Superbarrow at Johnny Five Not Six at Talk Rams. Uh, be on the lookout. Derek should be coming out of the pod this week again. Welcome back to our guy, D. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week.